0: If you brought a copy of scripture with you, you can find John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And as we make our way to the end of 2018, you will no doubt see uh, media presentations and reminders of, of celebrities and stars and famous people who have passed away in this very year. You'll be reminded that the country western singer Roy 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 Clark, and then Aretha Franklin, and uh, our own President Bush uh, passed away in 2018. Burt Reynolds passed away. And uh, the Marvel Comic guy, can't even think of his name now. Stan Lee, he died. Even Stephen Hawking passed away. He's learned a few things since. One person I didn't see listed in any of the ones in the cursory study I looked, not study, but you know, just look into it, was Billy Graham. He wasn't listed. I don't think he'd wanna be listed amongst celebrities anyway. He concluded his earthly travels as the illustrious evangelist of nearly 100 years old, evangelist for many, many years, in February. He had a comment to make, of, 50 years ago, this coming July, will be the uh, celebration of the, of the uh, first man walk on the moon, Neil Armstrong. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I remember. Anybody remember where they were? We were camping, Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. We had a little TV with the tinfoil, you know, holding it with three people old Nan trying to get the reception in. So get that grainy picture, you know, Armstrong stepping on the the moon. And Richard Nixon said, man walking on the moon is the greatest event in human history. To which Billy Graham responded, with all due respect, Mr. President, man walking on the moon was not the greatest event in human history, but when God walked on the earth. And he did, didn't he? That's so what we celebrate at Christmas time, the incarnation, the God and fleshness of Christmas time in Jesus Christ. Three of the four gospels refer to Jesus' coming. Two of them get into the drama. Uh, Matthew gets into the drama uh, by reminding us that he fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be a king. Luke, who we'll look into tomorrow night at the Christmas Eve service more. Luke, he gets into the drama that we're more familiar with. He takes us through the census, to the barn, to the birth, to the shepherds, to the angel, to the explosion. Glory to God in the highest. And he even talks about the drama before that drama when Gabriel came over a year earlier and encountered Zachariah, who was praying for his son. Remember that? said, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a son. Six months later, he goes to Mary and says, you're going to have the son. What was hard for Zachariah to believe, and he didn't and was judged, was impossible for Mary to believe that she would have a baby without relations with a man. And yet she did, and she was blessed. The Christmas drama is really impossible, humanly speaking, to believe without a heart of faith. Would you agree with that? So, John writes, from the advantage of having about 30 years' distance between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics. And he gives us a theology of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He starts before time begins. And he tells us the wonderful news when God came down. So, with fresh eyes, listening ears, active minds, and, Lord willing, tender hearts, let's look at this great passage again, shall we? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, there's a man sent from God whose name was John. That would be John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, there it is, the incarnation, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who was this who came down? Who was this who came down? He is the ultimate communication of God, that's who he is. The ultimate communication of God. He is the word. The word for word is used repeatedly in this passage. It's the word logos. The basic technical meaning of the word is reasoning expressed by words. That's what the word means. Okay, Logos. And what, that is what words do. They, they transfer meaning and passion. Words communicate thought and belief they communicate love they communicate hate they communicate comfort they communicate opinion and they possess power death and life are in the power of the tongue have you ever read that they have they they have the they have the ability to sway your thinking and affect your emotions so the other day I said to my wife, I told her about some information that I had received in words. I gave in words to my wife about a woman who she loved, she had impacted for the gospel years ago, and this woman has made some terrible decisions, sinful decisions. She's hurting her testimony and the testimony of Jesus. I told my wife about this because I knew she'd be interested and she'd have some Role to play in talking to this woman. What did my wife do with words? That's all I gave her were words. She cried. She cried at words. Now, Contrawise, Curtis Johnson, one of our interns who was just performing up here at the keyboard, bust into my office the other day without invitation, without even knocking, and he says, "I passed my boards." just words, but we hugged and we rejoiced together. Over what? Words. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, the message of the cross, the laga, same word, of the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Words, words he said to Timothy just before he died before he would meet a roman ax he said Timothy whatever you do preach the logos preach the word in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine because men won't put up a sound doctrine for long preach the what preach the logos preach the word now in both of those cases Paul was talking about the inscripted word, the Bible, the scripture, the word of God. But John here is talking about the incarnate word. Incarnate, in flesh. And the word became what? Flesh, incarnate, and dwelt among us. Jesus is the incarnate word. Who was this who came down? He is Jesus the ultimate communication of God. And aren't you glad? Study him. He invited us to do so. One day he said, he invited you and me, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls where you really need it. Take my yoke upon you and watch this, learn from me my yoke is easy my burden is light he is the ultimate communication of god so study him he was with god from eternity past the same verse 2 was in the beginning with little little preposition pros with god the, the word pros the word with literally means, watch this, face to face. That's what it means. Face to face with God. The the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is is mind blowing It's hard to get your mind wrapped around it, isn't it? I had a friend the other day sent me his sermon that he was about to preach i mentored this guy and uh he sent me a sermon he's preaching in first john where the opening salvo in first john john describing to his readers says referring to jesus he, he's referring to jesus he says that which we have heard we've seen with our eyes we've touched with our hand our hands have handled he's the word of life and i said to him i said well now how are you going to illustrate this i don't know how do you illustrate Jesus?" I said, well, you're married, aren't you? Yeah. I said, have you ever been away from your wife for a while? He said, well, yeah. I said, is talking to her on the phone the same as seeing her, smelling her, touching her, caressing her? No. You know, Jesus could have said to us the same thing about his father. He could have said to his disciples, he could have said, that he is who I have seen who have I've heard, I have fellowshiped with face to face. And he, in as much as said that, on the night before he died, in John chapter 17, he prayed to the Father, he said, Father, uh, bring back the glory in me that I had with you, same word, face to face with you, before the world was. Have you ever read that? One of our Christmas songs says referring to the wise men says sages leave your contemplations right brighter visions beam afar seek the great desire of nations you have seen his natal star come and worship come and worship worship christ the newborn king he's saying wise men you've studied the stars long enough now come and worship the star himself the lord jesus and if you will trust Him, one day you will see Him as He is face to face with the Spirit and the Father in all of their triune glory. Who is this who came down? He is the one who was with, face to face with God from eternity past. So, Contemplate him. Think upon him. Contemplate that. Who is this? Who came down? He was God himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God face to face, and the Word, say it, was God. It doesn't say the Word became God, that's what the cults teach. He was God, always was God. If you've been with us in our study of Philippians, we saw in chapter 2 and verse 6, though speaking of Jesus being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be what? Grasped. You don't have to grasp something you already hold. He already possessed eternality. He was all, he was God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And by the way, in the word was God, that little word was, uh, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to tell you there's a, the tense is, is, is in the imperfect. The imperfect tense is a continuous action in the past. In other words, if he was God, then he always was God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why it says in the 18th verse, we didn't get to there, so let me just read it to you. No one has ever seen God. The only God (laughs) who is at the Father's side, which means he's not the Father, but he's what? He's God. He's made him known. How beautiful is that? Is it any wonder what the wise men did, what these sages did when they did encounter him, what did they do? They worshiped. They fell down before him. They worshiped. And the Bible tells us explicitly, you only worship God. That's why one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when, uh, that, the one that you're seeing now, when... Uh, John, at the end of the book of Revelation, is, is, uh, he's so mesmerized by this angel, he falls down and worships the angel. You can read it for yourself. The angel says, get up, I'm a servant just like you and the prophets. Worship God. The disciples worshiped him. My favorite passage I just want to quickly read to you is in Hebrews, however, on the fact that Jesus is God. Remember, you only worship God, or at least you're only supposed to worship God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 says, For for to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is none. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Again, the answer is none. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, watch this, let all God's angels, what? Worship him because you only worship God, but he doesn't stop there. Because he says, he says, he says of the angels, he says he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Now watch this. But of the son, the father says, your, this is the father talking now. Your throne, O oh God, is forever and ever a scepter of uprightness, is the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness. You've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. You have God anointed. God. Take that, Jehovah's Witnesses. He is God. And of course, when he says, let all the angels worship him, that's exactly what they did. Remember that? I mean, it's it's like when you read the Christmas drama, uh, it's once the shepherds, you know, are out there in their fields and the angel appears and then the the whole choir, it's like they were just ready to bust out of heaven. They couldn't wait to come and praise him and give him glory. Who is this who came down? He is God himself. Worship him. Worship him he is the creator of all things. Again, by him was not anything made, John says, that was made. I think that's everything, right? In the early 1900s, President Theodore Roosevelt was, he was infatuated with the vastness of the universe. And at the White House, he would take his visitors out on the veranda and he would would tell them to stare off on a clear night. You could see Andromeda, the galaxy Andromeda. You could just barely make it out as a pinprick in the sky. And he would say, that's Andromeda. That's 770,000 light years away from Earth. And it's as big as our Milky Way. And there are 100 billion suns in Andromeda Everyone bigger than our own. And there are a hundred million galaxies like Andromeda across the universe. Feeling small yet? And Jesus made them all. He is the creator of all things. Some people get a little uh, sidetracked when they read the story of Job. If you remember Job, Godly man, a man who feared God, upright man. God allows Satan to have Adam. He's covered from head to toe with boils. He's absolutely miserable. Yet he doesn't curse God. It's amazing. First couple of chapters, he's stellar. But as you continue to read, he doesn't do so well. He starts questioning the wisdom of God. Why is this happening to me? I'm a righteous man. Why? Why are you doing this to me? And finally, God answers him in the 38th chapter, out of the whirlwind. He he starts by saying, who is this who darkens counsel with words without knowledge? And with that, God takes Job back to creation. He says, were you there when I made this? Were you there when I made that? He talks about the stars, the earth, creatures he's made And the result is that Job sees the smallness of himself, the greatness and the wisdom of God, and he repents in sackcloth and ashes. Who is this who darkens counsel with words without knowledge? Just put that over every social media outlet. Most of us in this room have sat under words from so-called experts who've taught you that science reigns. And all we see and know empirically has happened without design and by chance. But in your heart, you know better. You know better. There is nothing that's done by chance in creation, including you. Who is this one who came down? He is the creator of all things. Be in awe of him. And he is light and life. Did you catch that? He's both light and life. And this middle section in John chapter 1 is sort of like, it's almost like you're in the weeds here. He, He goes out of his way. To show that John the Baptist is not the true light. He's not the true light. He came to bear witness of the true light. Why does he do that? Because we love our lesser lights. That's why. We love our lesser lights. Men, women that we adore, we read, we listen to. If you don't believe it, you should have been here in the first service. While the praise band was performing... A little Abram Johnson was staring up. Somebody behind me said, He only has eyes for Paul. That little guy runs up and sees Paul every day to thank him. But Paul is a lesser light. I am a lesser light. Every person on earth is a lesser light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And, and it, was, it was, even John admitted this later on. He says, he must increase, I must what? Decrease. John willingly gave up his congregation to the greater light. And it was Jesus on one of the feasts when they lit four gigantic candelabra. In the middle of those lit candelabra, Jesus stood up in the midst in John chapter 8 and said, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Same expression here. You'll have the light of life, which is exactly what some of you don't have. You're still in darkness. I was standing in this very area many years ago as a student, getting ready to preach the very first time at Sailorville Baptist Church, not as the pastor, just as a student. So I came on Saturday night, late at night, to practice my message, which is what students do. There was a violent thunderstorm outside, and a flash of lightning, and just a loud kaboom, and everything went dark. Even the exit signs went out. And I stood here in pitch darkness. Have you ever been in pitch darkness? And I sat here, and I went, just sort of waiting for it to come back, and it wasn't coming back on. So I started to feel my way down, stumbled down the steps a little bit, and then I ran right into the front pew. Have you ever run into a pew before? <laughs> that hurt. And I thought, I'll make my way to the wall. I couldn't find the wall. I finally did. Somewhere over here, I, I, I got a hold of the wall. Even the lights outside were gone. And I started to feel my way along the wall. Now, I was a grown man, but I was a little bit scared. I can remember finally, it took me 15 minutes to make it to the door. And when I got through the door, there was one exit light out there that was working. I literally ran to it on my way out. Listen, who is this who came down? He is light in life. He is, he is the exit to your personal darkness that some of you are still in right now. Run to him. Run to him. He's your light in life. He is God who came down to die for us. That's who he is. Verse 14, the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. You can't kill God. He's, he's a spirit. You can kill him if he becomes human, which is exactly what Jesus did. And that's why the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, here's what it says. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, he, like, he himself likewise partook in the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. Hallelujah. That is the devil. He had to take on flesh to do that. If Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator of the African, uh, were to walk through these doors, we would stand up in awe, would we not? But if Jesus Christ, the great emancipator of all men, were to walk through those doors, we would kneel down and worship. And rightly so. Who is this who came down? He is the God of the universe who came down to die for your sins. Kneel down before him. And finally, he's the one who will make you a child of God. He is the one who will make you a child of God. And in a funnel-like approach, John says in in, in verse 10, he says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. He came to his own people, that is the Jews, as Messiah, and his own people wouldn't receive him. (laughs) But as many as did receive him, To them he gave the right, the power, the authority to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. The world, the Jew, how about you? Have you received him? Or are you still sort of wrapped up in yourself? We have a big family it's not unusual for us to have tons of wrapping paper at, at Christmas time. I remember one year, particularly, when our, we were younger, we brought in all my siblings. I come from a family of 11. And uh, literally, the wrapping paper was up to our knees, across the entire living room floor. My six-month-old had just started to crawl. I literally lost him. I could not find him. And suddenly I looked over and I saw some wrapping paper moving along. And I said, oh my goodness, my son's lost lost in the wrapping paper. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, it struck me what I had just said. My son is lost in the wrapping paper. The wrapping paper at Christmas is one thing. The wrapping of your life is another What's your wrapping paper? Is it, is it fitness? Is it your, your physical strength? You're going to get old. Is it your beauty or your handsomeness? You're going to get old. Is it because you want to be the best at what you can possibly, at your area of expertise, somebody will outdo you. I guarantee you want to be, you're going to be a great athlete. Oh, what a joke. It's all wrapping. It's all wrapping. And you know what you do with wrapping paper, don't you? We burn it. A couple years ago, my wife and I, were so generous. We gave every one of our kids a $50 bill and one of them got it lost on the wrapping paper and we burned it. I was so sick. Burned up a $50 bill. Now some of you are staring into the fire right now. And you're gonna lose a lot more than 50 bucks. Because you're so wrapped up in other things. The word, the logos. If you receive him, you'll get something that will never fade, never age, never die, never burn up. Timothy Keller, talking about this passage, says that the Greeks of those days and in before, they understood the concept of logos, the word, which technically means reasoning by words, but they understood it philosophically. The the logos to the Greek mind was the reason for life. That's what logos was, the reason for life. John would have known this. The Spirit of God would have prompted John to write something different. Using the very same word, logos, he's saying that the reason for life is wrapped up in a person, not in your Money, not in your health, not in your hobbies, not in your likes. It's wrapped up in Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the reason for life. Jesus Christ. Who is this that came down? He was God come down for you to give you a reason for living, hope in your dying, and joy between now and then. That will never end. Do you have it? What is your wrapping? After all, there's only one thing you do with wrapping. Unless it's a person, and the person, not a lesser light, but the great light of Jesus Christ. Do you know him? What better time to know him than right now, as many as received him, that means to take in, to them God gives the right to become the children of God. Your knowledge won't save you, but Jesus will. (laughs) Will you receive him today? What a Christmas gift. Praise be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the incarnation, the in-fleshness of your son Jesus. God always was, always will be. Creator. And Savior. Savior. God help us to study Him, to contemplate Him, to stand in awe of Him and kneel and worship to Him. All of us who know Him, but those who don't, if that's you, dear friend, old or young, here's where it all begins. If this makes sense to you and the Holy Spirit right now is tugging at your heart and you would say, I want this. I want to make sure it's I I, I don't want to be caught up in the wrapping of Christmas or the wrapping of life that doesn't have a person within it, the person of Jesus. If that's you and you'd say from your heart, I am a sinner, I am lost, I believe now with all my heart that Jesus died for me and rose for me. I now invite him into my life to save me. I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Is that your heart's prayer right now? Just God's hearing. Trust him. And may the rest of us who know him, Lord, love him more deeply, we pray. And the Lagos of God name we pray, even Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand.